Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode. But tonight we're going to be talking about the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week, which is A Clockwork Orange from 1971 and directed by Stanley Kubrick. We're not going to be joined by the ghoul tonight, but we are joined by the guy that picked the film tonight, the psychotic simian, the Prince of Amor's Day, the Mad Monkey. Get fucking with it, monkey. Yes, hello, Drugs and Drugettes. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we bring you the best bloody program there is in all, all of the world. Yes, so just make sure you live and listen live. Listen with your M&P. We don't really care. Just make sure you bloody well. Listen. Hey, King. How's right, it going right? tonight? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and because doing we're very well, episode, doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> because we're covering this episode like this, I can just let my really bad accent fly. Don't really give a shit, but people understand me a little bit better when it's like this. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm used to it by now. We've known each other for so long that when you get drunk, you break out the English accent. I'm just used to it. <clears throat> I just I go along with it. Yeah, we yeah judge the monkey by his accent. When he gets to the point where where he's starting to sound like he's hosting a BBC show, we need to cut him off. <laughs> yeah, usually when you start sounding like Bill Grundy, so I usually know that you've had too many. And I was like, and I was like, oh, there we go. He's like, oh, what the fuck is with this then? I'm like, all right, yep, he's had a little bit too much PBR. He's gone full bread on me. There's no turning back now. Right, well. <laughs> all I'm just saying is that these fucking cunts need to move out of my way. I'm like, all right, all right, man. Relax. We're in America now. You don't have to talk like that anymore. Fucking cunts. That's all what you got. But I digress. Um, so we're going to be joined by the dean in just a little bit. Uh, but is there anything you wanted to talk about before he comes on and we cover our business? Anything going on in the world? Um, <laughs> just again, uh, for you, those of you out there, this is our free Thanksgiving episode. So, again, for those of you that are getting together for Thanksgiving, just make sure that you are safe. You know, do, do what you need to to be safe, stay safe. You know, do your social distancing, do your masking when you can. Just, again, be bloody well safe out there. Yeah, it's a tough time for everybody. But, uh, you know, we're going to make it through. Maybe by this time next year, everybody will be going back to a relatively yep. new normal, um, you know, in the world. Yeah. Uh, then other than that, just again, Mandalorian, f- fucking all over the place, fucking awesome. <laughs> Still kicking it <laughs> like it's nobody's business. Uh, we had a really good action-based episode this past week, and then mm, it threw me off that okay. the action episode was actually, <clears throat> excuse me, directed by our man from Predator that's <laughs> – in the Mandalorian, so he actually got to direct an episode. So I thought that was pretty fucking cool. 
Wow, that is pretty cool. Yeah. And we also have a Star Wars reference with our movie tonight with David Prowse, who we'll get to later on in the show, who played Darth Vader himself. So there you go, another Star Wars connection for you guys. Coming up later on. Talk about a clockwork orange. <clears throat> so that'll be good. Um, yeah, I, I haven't really been watching any kind of shows. Uh, I started watching Big Sky, which is on uh, ABC, which is a David E. Kelly program, just premiered two weeks ago. Um, John Carroll Lynch, who's been on American Horror Story and a ton of other things like Fargo, uh, plays a sheriff's deputy in Montana, and these two girls go missing, and it's a over-the-road truck driver that's kidnapping all these women and selling them into sex slavery. Um, it's been pretty good oh, so far, but oh. there's just such a – yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead now. Oh, no, no, no. I was just commenting in the background as you talk. Sorry, sorry, King. Please continue. Well, there you go. Um, but it's an <clears throat> interesting show so far. Um, I'm going to hang in there, at least for another two. But it's just so apparent that there's a David Lynch um, homages. I don't want to say homages, really. I think it's just them ripping it off, um, kind of copying Twin Peaks in a way with this uh, small town in Montana, you know, using a lot of music, using eccentric characters, not quite as eccentric as Twin Peaks, but it's it's like David E. Kelly watched Twin Peaks. But I could do it my way and make it kind of serious, <laughs> but everybody's going to know that this is, you know, kind of like my version of Twin Peaks. So um, Tuesdays, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on ABC. It's called Big Sky. I've uh, really gotten into that. And also, like, a weird thing that I've kind of gotten into um, since I started my vacation on Monday is listening to, uh, on YouTube, 911 calls. Like, it's become my new obsession. What? Like, I've been listening to nonstop, like, since Monday night. I just kind of stumbled across it. But, yeah, real-life 911 calls. Um, I just, I don't know what it is. I just, I started listening to one video, then all of a sudden I went down a rabbit hole and just started listening to a bunch. And, you know, some of them are kind of funny. Some of them are really dark and, you know, tragic. But there was one that I listened to earlier that, had me kind of cracking up a little bit because this guy moved into a house that had gone into foreclosure three years earlier and he was doing some remodeling in the house. And when he went up to the attic, uh, he was knocking down some things and a skeleton fell out of the wall, an actual human skeleton what? fell out of the wall. What? So, <laughs> yeah. So he didn't know why it was there, but he called 911 and he's just like, Hey guys. So I don't know what to do with this information. I don't know what you need to do with this information, but uh, a human skeleton just fell out of the wall. Uh, in the attic, and it's just kind of there. <laughs> and the 911 operator is like, oh, wow, okay. Is it a human skeleton? He goes, yeah, no, it, it's human. I could just see it laying at the bottom of the steps there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the house was built in the 30s. I don't know. could be weird. But what ended up happening was a woman had lived there, and she was in her attic, and she got trapped in the wall somehow, and she died in the, the attic wall. So that was her well, body. She had been missing for three years. No, not I don't have a sister. Not, not a biological sister. Anymore. No, I was just talking to the monkey about me finding this rabbit hole of 911 calls on YouTube. And uh, a really uh, funny one about a skeleton being found on the wall. And the guy not knowing what to do with it, so he's just calling 911. I would think that's cool. I'd be like, dude, that's the core of my house. <laughs> yes, but now we are joined by our lovely co-host, the Demonic Dean. Welcome to the show, yes. man. Thank you very much. I had a whole I had a whole routine planned for like six o'clock on the dot uh, when we signed on, uh, except because uh, as as we know I I use Google Voice uh, you know to to call into the show and uh, when I when I logged in and went to 
uh, dial in, uh, my computer was not reading my uh, my earpiece or my microphone. So uh, mm. I tried to log in and log log out, log back in, and that didn't work. And then I had to just restart my computer, which I did, and and now no problems. Uh, The top of the hour, as the church bells were ringing in the distance, uh, was oh. to uh, was to live stream my attempts to uh, secure a PS5 on the Walmart release uh, that was happening at six o'clock California time uh, today. So uh, I did attempt to make that happen, but that shit was uh, listed as temporarily out of stock and sold out before the church bells were even done ringing for six o'clock. Wow. So, so, so are you actually? So, are you? So, uh, Dean, are you actually seriously, seriously trying to get in here on the PS5 action? Then, uh, no, I was trying to buy one just just for a bit for the show. Yes, of course, I was trying to get it on the action. Why would I not be trying to get it on the action? <laughs> well, that's because I didn't realize you, you actually did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just didn't realize you were a gamer, that like that much of a gamer, where you want this PS5 straight off the bat, man. Oh yeah, no, totally. I mean, I'm still playing on games on a PS3. I never got the PS4, but yes, I play, I play games. And um, you know, there are several games that I was talking with the uh, with our uh, with our missing man earlier today, and I uh, was talking about all of the games that I'm looking forward to playing uh, once I secure the next generation system. What happened was I was totally happy with my PS3, and then uh, they stopped making the new games for PS3 as PS4 continued to take over. And then, like, yeah. I was considering uh, entering the world of PS4, but then I figured that it was like enough time had gone past that it had been out that, like, I might as well just wait another year and a half and just wait for the PS5. So I never ended up getting the PS4, and I'm trying to get the PS5. I wasn't planning on really trying to get one today, but when I heard that there was going to be a release, I was like, fuck it, I'll try it. Like, my plan is for like early 2021 sometime. Uh, because I want to like not wait forever and just like maximize the mm-hmm. length of time. So yes, I was trying to secure uh, a system. I think you've probably done a good call there, just because with my PS4, I have one. Uh, you know, it was given to me. Uh, I've played it lots, but there, like as far as stuff that was released, you know, on hard copy and stuff like that, I really just didn't find a lot of stuff that really, really, you know, s- sucked me in. It's you know, any hardcore games. For the most part, I personally did just a lot of straight up online gaming uh, with things like World World of Tanks, um, you know, Gundam Battle you know, uh, of Rocket League, that kind of stuff. But I d- really couldn't find any games on, under the PS4 banner that really, really sucked me in. So hopefully you will find some stuff under the PS5 banner where, you know, you, you'll you have some good gaming. Yes. I'm excited. It's awesome. <laughs> good stuff. I'm not a gamer. I don't know. Good. Have fun. Good gaming. I, I plan on it. I, I, I plan on it having fun, and because uh, you know, I, I need to get the one with uh, that comes with the you know. There's two versions. There's the version that's mm. all digital, and then there's a version that uh, does still have the, the the drive, like the disc drive. Right. Um, right. I need that because uh, that will be the like the not that I have much in the way of media, but it will still be the uh, the only. Uh, way that I have to play uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, uh, the ones that I do still have. So, uh, you know, uh, that so I need to get the one with the, the disc drive. Right. 
<clears throat> cool. It's a good point. Yeah. Well, hopefully you do. Hopefully you get it and everything works out. But uh, all right. So what do you have for our news tonight, Dean? Oh, we're just gonna jump right in, huh? Just like that. Just like so, that. That's how we do it on Thanksgiving like uh, I I don't know. I feel like uh, I would have to go back and look, but I feel like traditionally uh, the Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, episode is one that I usually miss because I'm usually elbow deep uh, in the kitchen preparing for Thanksgiving. The, yeah, and that sure. is that is that is one thing I was surprised, man, is because actually, yeah, the king and I were talking about how we're shocked that you made it here, just because you usually do a grand grand feast every Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, well, and I, I, I do. I usually I'm I, usually responsible for like nine different things, but uh, I'm only responsible for two things this year, and I have done. Uh, I have to do a little bit of prep for something later this evening, uh, but nothing too involved that uh, requires like care and attention. Uh, and the stuff that involved care and attention, I worked on last night. So uh, I, 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 I was debating whether or not to take part. And then I said, fuck it, I'm taking part in this episode uh, for the first time pre-Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, Good to have you. <laughs> and again, just uh, along with the Thanksgiving vibes, um, Dean, I just personally want to say thank you for actually being an awesome person on Thanksgiving and doing what you do every Thanksgiving and just putting it out there for people who don't have have it out there, man. It's just that, that's oh, really well, fucking awesome. Well, thank you so much for saying. Uh, maybe uh, a, a time will come uh, sometime in the universe and all of the stars <laughs> will align and the the Talking Terror universe will all celebrate Thanksgiving together. What could happen? We'll have, a talk, we'll, have a, we'll have a Talking Terror Thanksgiving special. <laughs> It'll, yeah, we'll be just like Joe Bob Briggs, except yeah. it's cool. <laughs> we'll talking nice Terror Turkey special. <laughs> uh, King, are you, are you going to the Monkees tomorrow? No, or are we no, COVID? I, are we COVID? Are we COVID hiding? Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, staying away, social distancing, the whole thing. I got stuff yeah. to make here, so I'm gonna. Oh, I was gonna ask out. then if monkey, if monkey will be delivering a plate. Um, well, he can. He's more welcome to. I won't turn away here. Um, oh. Monkey is not cooking this year. Um, yeah, th- things are taking priority over um, a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I have many things that um, financially need to be taken care of before I can do something like that. Not to toot my own horn here, monkey, but did you not see my, my Facebook post from like like four, five, six days ago? Uh, no. I doubt he did. <laughs> All right, I've well, I barely been on Facebook. Facebook and, uh, all right, I know you just go and, and post I, I, our I will post check our it stuff, out. I, I don't know <laughs> no, uh, I will check it out. This week I've been doing 11-hour shifts. So <laughs> I hear you. I have not really had a lot of time for Facebook. <laughs> but I will definitely check it out it. because I'm sure you have some awesome picture of, pictures of your prep prep work. <laughs> no, there's no pictures. I've just, like, I made a post and, like, like just you'll see it. You'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, okay. Just because, like, you know, it's like my favorite. Thanksgiving is like my favorite time. Like the Halloween to Thanksgiving is like my favorite season. Yeah, can't argue right, with but that. Anyway, uh, you know, we've talked about how Scream Five is coming in January of 2022, and 
I don't know how I feel about this because I think it creates a world of confusion, uh, but Scream 5 uh, is simply going to be titled Scream, uh, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, especially because it's not like a, it's not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it's a reboot. It's like a fucking sequel, you know, like it just, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, I mean, they did it with Halloween 2018. They just called it Halloween. So I guess they're following this that is true. same line of thinking. This is true. So, yeah. This is true. So we're just calling it like, I, I don't I'm know. Not I feel like, without question, uh, that Scream 5 is going to come, is going to gross, well, nowhere near. If, if, if the movie going universe has, by January of 2022, has returned to normal, like pre COVID, I don't, I still, I don't think. Scream 5 is going to generate any kind of box office that uh, Halloween 2018 uh, has, and I feel that uh, just kind of organically, like Halloween 2018 just gets referred to as like Halloween 18 or Halloween 2018. So I don't know if people are going to be calling Scream like Scream 22, uh, but but that remains <laughs> to be seen. Yeah, they might. I agree. Well, I agree with you too, man. And you know, uh, you know, King, you feel free to weigh in. But just, I don't think it's going to have the pull to be able to have the draw that it did because you know uh, they already tried on MTV with that horrible TV show. You know, (laughs) they've milked this as all they can. Like, I really don't see this project really nailing audiences unless, again, it's one of the only movies out there. (laughs) Like how how. Uh, how much mo- did Scream Four? Like, what was the box office on that? Is it did, like was Scream Four a success? I don't I know have those numbers fans. in front of me. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to pull yeah, it up real fast uh, before we move on. But like, you know, the Halloween 2018 oh, was made for like oh, yeah. very little money and made like made 250 million box office. Was that? No, Scream Four. The budget was 40 million and box office is 97.1 million. So they did All right, decent. so they made a decent amount of money, decent, decent amount, decent profit. Yeah. Okay, okay, uh, okay. I did that's, not know. But that. still, yeah, like, that's but still, that's still, like I was, like I was saying though, um, you know, Halloween 2018 pulled in like 250 something million. Uh, oh yeah. You know, so as far as like organically calling Scream Five, Scream 22, um, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, also in the world of Scream Five, um, you know, directors have said that. Uh, it's been just such a pleasure to have uh, the original cast members, the, they're calling them the legacy cast members, and they said that uh, one of the things the that they feel members. made uh, <laughs> creating this film such a magical experience was that the original cast was able to bring uh, the spirit of Wes Craven with them, and uh, they said that it was so important for the younger cast members to talk to the old cast members uh, so they can learn how important Wes Craven was to their lives, and uh, both personally and professionally, and uh, said that kind of like the the spirit of Wes Craven kind of was hanging over the whole the whole production. So, uh, you know, in the world of Screen Five, that that seems to be what is what is going on. But cool. Wes Craven wasn't there, was he? He's dead. No, Wes Craven's dead. No, I was talking about with the first one. Wasn't he only partly involved with the directing of the first one? No, he directed the whole thing. He directed all four. So he directed Scream, yeah. All four. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't write them, but he did direct them. I mean, they were directing projects. Kevin Williamson wrote uh, three of them, and then the third one was written by somebody else. I can't remember his name on top of my head, but yeah. yeah Wes was involved with the whole thing. 
That's why he's credited with that, oh. you know, revitalizing everything back in 96. So, this oh, first okay, I didn't realize that. I, I thought he was only, like, heavily involved with the first one. I didn't realize he, like, wow, okay, awesome. Thank you, King. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you kept coming back. Uh, so. Yes, and speaking of coming back, uh, in 2018, uh, there was a, a commercial and critical failure in what at the time was a much anticipated uh, Shane Black created Predator film uh, that turned out to be like a, 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 a disaster, a commercial flop. Um, and there was just so much uh, excitement uh, as it got closer to release that didn't pan out. But apparently uh, Fox uh, just can't stay away uh, because they're coming back with another Predator uh, it's going to be directed <laughs> by uh, someone named Dan Trachtenberg. Uh, there's no uh, start date nor release date yet, but they just uh, he 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 directed uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know there's excitement about him uh, picking up the uh, or sitting down into the director's chair because of the success of uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. But he's going to try his hand in the world of Predator. So. Uh, you know, no matter how much these movies uh, are shitty and tank, they just they can't stay away. I don't know. Well, I mean, I put it on the talking terror page about that. Yeah. Go well, ahead. I was gonna say, King, didn't you put? I was gonna say, didn't you put something interesting about Predator Two on the talking terror page? Well, I did, but yeah. With, oh, with that's, the Predator, I, I, I'm she, getting there, monkey. I'm getting there. I'm getting yeah. there. Did you see my theme yeah, here? I got I got my scream segue, and now I'm working <laughs> my Predator segue. I, I'm on top of yeah, it. I'm on top of it. It's gonna happen. Magic, it's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> but no, I just don't because I did. I did post the same thing on the talking terror page. But I defend the Predator. Shane Black's the Predator. It's a fun movie. I don't understand why everybody hates it so much. I just I watch it and it's just a silly, violent, fun time. Like, what is wrong with people that don't like the Predator? Like, I don't know what okay, they were looking for theory, in the Predator theory. movie. Mm-hmm. Go, my go ahead, Dean. <laughs> the original Predator film is like one of the greats uh, in the world of, yeah. like, action, sci-fi, uh, with the most badass action cast, like, ever assembled. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. include, like, like the expendable stuff as much as I love that stuff because that's like a – it's like a nostalgia trip. It's not like uh, like that's the a, badass that's a reunion. Uh, that took yeah. place with the original Predator. Like, the stories from the set from the original Predator are just fucking crazy uh, yeah. that they were oh, yeah. <laughs> one-upping each other and trying to get up earlier and earlier to be the ones lifting weights and working out first. Uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, got the costume designers to, like, fuck with Carl Weathers' clothing so it made Arnold Schwarzenegger's biceps appear bigger. Like, just the craziness <laughs> that was going oh, on there. I didn't know that. just a... Fucking bad, y'all. Yeah, it's like a crazy story with Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers and something. With, I don't remember the specific details, but something with the costume designer and like trickery about bicep sizes. But like <laughs> this badass collecting this badass action movie, like no holds barred, and you know it's been diminishing returns, you know, ever since, in my opinion, when it comes to the world of Predator and. Shane Black, who was one of the soldiers in the original Predator, uh, you know, who, who has been a very successful writer in his own right. Uh, he wrote Lethal Weapon. He wrote Last Boy Scout. Um, you know, I feel that maybe there was expectation of, like, the tone of the first movie, of, like, not, like, nothing, like, comical, but, like, 
badass action and and maybe that didn't happen. Now I haven't seen the film, so I don't have a personal opinion. But like that's just a theory that I have as to maybe why uh, it wasn't successful. And and again, I haven't that's seen a good it. Theory. So take that take that with a grain of salt. Well, yeah, but also then when you take the second film compared to the first one, okay, first one you have the predator who's out there trying to do his thing and find the baddest motherfucker he can in the jungle. Okay, he's out there. He's actually there for the hunt. Okay. You have this second predator come along, and what does he do? He's the yuppie predator, okay? He's not actually going out there to find the biggest thing that's out there in the yard. He went to a hunting reserve where they keep everyone locked up in the same area where he can just sit there and just shoot and blow away people and just collect skulls because they're just packed there, like, you know, (laughs) just all over the place. He doesn't have to hunt anything. All he has to do is just shoot shit and collect skulls and then go home to his buddies and be like, hey, look at all these skulls I got, guys. You know, he was just literally shooting fish in a barrel. He was not the same kind of hunter that the Predator was. Speaking of the second film, uh, it's now the 30th anniversary of Predator 2. And uh, the director of (laughs) Predator 2, Stephen Hopkins, uh, sat down uh, for an interview and, uh, you know, shared some interesting information. And I, I, I just fucking love this. I had a ball. Uh, reading this stuff <laughs> earlier today, uh, that before Danny Glover, uh, before Danny Glover was discussed uh, to play the lead role, uh, first it was potentially uh, going to be Patrick Swayze. It was Patrick Swayze's name that was being discussed for that role, but uh, Stephen Hopkins learned uh, that Stephen Seagal uh, had some interest and wanted the role really bad. So Stephen Hopkins took a meeting uh, with Steven Seagal at Steven Seagal's place. Uh, says that he showed up at Steven Seagal's place, said that Steven Seagal essentially was a nut. Said that uh, when greeting, after Seagal essentially crushed his hand, uh, that Seagal led him into this room that was just wall-to-wall guns and said that he wants his character uh, to be a CIA psychiatrist uh, who is also a martial arts expert who also carries a gun. Uh, you know, and as Seagal <laughs> continued to explain yeah. uh, what he wanted his character to be, Hopkins in his mind was like, all right, uh, we are on two completely different pages. In his head, he's thinking this. This isn't going to work. And then as he was trying to wrap up the meeting, so like Steven Seagal like, had his hand like on his back and like his neck and was like, telling him that he had to come out to like, I guess he had this, uh, this ranch in Santa Barbara. And he said, come to my ranch in Santa Barbara. I have a grenade launching range and we can launch grenades together and talk about the script in the film. And Hopkins was like, uh, okay, uh, sounds like a good plan. I'll be in touch. And like, and like beat the street to get the hell out of there as fast as possible. But essentially it was like, Steven Seagal is a fucking lunatic and there's no way Steven Seagal is going to be in Predator 2. And at that point in time, like I will, you know, forever uh, stand by the fact Steven Seagal's like first uh, four fucking movies are as fucking badass as they come. Maybe even first five movies um, are as badass Under as they come. So awesome. he was at the, what's that? Under Did Siege. Under Siege? Under Siege yeah. is fucking awesome, but like his first movie, Probably Above the Law, fucking fantastic. <laughs> uh, then Hard to Kill, fucking fantastic. Marked for Death, fantastic. Out for Justice, fantastic. And then Under Siege, that's a five fucking, that's a five film action run right there uh, that stands up mm-hmm. against any five film action run for certain. 
Uh, Steven Seagal was still like hadn't put on like a thousand pounds uh, and tried to hide it in like kimonos and knee length leather jackets and uh, like choker necklaces to hide his seven shins. Um, and look, I know you shouldn't be like like you know critiquing somebody's weight, but like we're talking someone who was in amazing shape and was a badass action yeah. star. And uh, at the Predator 2 time, again, was at the height of his powers. And, like, Stephen Hopkins was like, no way. Uh, we have two different visions of this film. And I'd love <laughs> to hear Stephen Hopkins' <laughs> take on what Predator 2 should have been. Uh, now, so, see, I mean, come on. He invites you to a grenade launching range? I'm fucking there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Serious. I, yeah, too. I'm going. I would go launch grenades with Steven Seagal any day of the fucking week. <laughs> right? How could like, you say no to that? I mean, I know he's psychotic, but come on. I'd go right away. And, like, you know what, we're going. And now we kind of have an idea of how much they get paid in 90s action movies money. When they, they call, you know, he, he's got like four, four movies under his belt this time. Like, yeah, let's just go on out to my grenade launching ranch. Yeah, it'll be lots of fun. Check out my wall of guns. I'm 80s rich. I can afford this. Yeah, like yeah, it's just now. See, cause I I didn't realize he was that fucking crazy. It's like you know, after hearing that story, man, it's like now all of a sudden it's like I'm just picturing it's like you know he, he's just Jude Law from <clears throat> Beverly Hills Cop Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Judd Nelson. Of. Sorry, Judd Nelson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. crazy, but yeah. I mean Patrick Swayze would have been crazy in Predator Two too. I mean that's like I can't imagine him. You know, facing off yeah, against you the know, president. But then again, he, who would have thought Danny Glover? It's an interesting thought uh, as one who is a a Swayze fan. It's, I feel like it's an interesting thought. Yeah. But I feel – I do feel like at that point in time, uh, he had kind of moved on from those kind of action roles. So, like, I don't, I don't know how uh, – you know, I don't know if it was more the film, like, hoping to get him or I don't know if he had expressed interest – um, you know, it, it just said that that Patrick Swayze was one of the names being considered. So I could understand why you would want to get him. But <laughs> roundhouse <laughs> kicking the predator. That would have been insane. I would have been there for it. Well, that's what Van Damme wanted because Van Damme was <laughs> the original predator. Predator. He was. Yes. Yeah. Was the craziest costume ever. Yeah, but that was that costume was also made by Scream and Mad George, so of course it was going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, but compared to what we got, like, like that's what he came up with. It's, it's going Mad George. And he came yeah, up with yeah, weird Halloween costume. Well, yeah, but that screaming Mad George's effects versus Stan Winston's, you know, two di- two completely different things there. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is true. That is a good point. All right, Dean. Uh, so what's next? Uh, well, I just want to like really quick just take a moment and just like say how sad it is that, that Patrick Swayze died so young, so sick. Yeah, um, way too sick. I was a fan of Swayze. It was so, so sad uh, to, to, to learn that he was sick and then uh, watch how fast he kind of deteriorated. So, you know, cheers to Patrick Swayze, wherever he is. Cheers. Moving on. Uh, the Chiodo brothers of uh, killer clowns from outer space fame have said <laughs> that they are talking with Netflix about a sequel. Apparently, they made a short film that Netflix has been uh, showing, and Netflix has expressed interest in a potential Killer Clowns from Outer Space sequel. Now, the Giotto brothers said that it is... Excuse me. 
that it is MGM who owns the rights and that you fans out there uh, should make some noise to MGM uh, because uh, they're the rights owners. And if the fans make some noise to MGM, uh, that can maybe make some wheels start to turn. They said that the nature of the business has been so challenging uh, because what happens is, is like you get a team of executives who like, show some interest and get excited and start to throw ideas around. And then things move so fast in this business that, you know, it's like musical chairs, like that regime is out. And then like the new right. regime comes in and just doesn't get it. Um, but they, they have hope. And, uh, you know, Netflix has, uh, you know, while they do not talk about what uh, people are watching and numbers, they have, uh, made no bones about the fact that they love to throw money around to make things happen. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is on Netflix, I, you know, so they know, like, if it's popular and people are watching it, um, and if it would make sense to, to relaunch it, but the Cheeto Brothers uh, are hoping for more Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, now, did you possibly provide a link on the Instagram for where people can make noise for uh, for MGM? No, I don't even I don't think it's going to MGM website. It's going to the MGM website. They have a contact us section. Like hit up their Twitter, oh, hit, okay. up their, hit up their everything. I'm sure they have social media. Yeah. Cool. I mean, if you want it, I don't know if it's got that big of a fan base, so people are going to make enough noise for of killer clowns too, but who knows? I don't know. Like, they still, like, I don't know. They still, like, sell T-shirts or that shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, yeah. there's some popularity around it, you know? I mean, I don't know if it, it warrants yeah, a fucking, like, sequel, but it might, uh, like, a theatrical sequel, but it might warrant, like, a fucking Netflix movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. this is one of the things where, like the King said, man, you know, the following for this is very, very fucking cult, you know, is, is the following for Killer Clowns. And, yeah, you know, I would love to see a sequel. You know, you guys know how much I fucking love this movie. You know, a sequel would be bloody awesome. But, yeah, it's just, again, I'm like kind of like the King, though, where it's just... A lot of fucking people would have to make some noise at MGM for them to be like, okay, let's flip the bill on this and see what happens. Yeah, for Steven Show to be saying that, like, hey, listen, we want it, but you guys kind of have to make it happen, pretty much says all you need to know. Like, that there's just not enough interest yeah. in making that into a movie, so the fans are going to have to parry together and get it, but I don't really see it happening. I mean, I could think on one hand of people that I know that love Killer Clowns aside from the monkey. That's it. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. really know that many people that are into it. It's very cult, like the monkey said. And you know a lot of people in the horror uh, community, and the fact that you only know a handful, you know, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I'm actually I'm going to be watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space for the first time in forever, sometime in the near future. Uh, one of my friends out here, um, you know, who is a, a fan of the genre, uh, we were talking about different things, and uh, she happened to be, like, scrolling through, like, all the different stuff on Netflix and saw it and it asked me about it. And I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's – there's no way to fucking describe it. So, like, sometimes uh, sometimes <laughs> at night, uh, like, like uh, you know, she's, she's a very good friend of ours. And sometimes at, at night, uh, my wife goes to bed early. I ch- traditionally stay up later. And me and my friend Rebecca, like, she's at her place, I'm at my place, and we'll, like, start the movie at the same time and then, like, message about it as we watch it. So – uh, next one on the list is, is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I don't know what will actually happen, uh, but it will be happening sometime in the near future. Very cool. So let us know what you think. Cool. You've watched it for so much time. 
Yeah. All right. So what's next? Uh, <laughs> Full Moon Entertainment has some big plans for 2021. Uh, yeah, they do. Entering... <laughs> oh, oh, not no, no, no. Slow down, slow down. Just a, a couple of spinoffs uh, of some of their properties. First, uh, let me just say, you all have a tendency sometimes to uh, make fun of my picks. And one time I did threaten over all of your heads uh, to make all of my picks in a row be every film in the Evil Bong series in a row. But I decided not to do it. All right? So I could have done it. And Thank you would have had to watch all nine of those things. Uh, but I chose nine? not to. Uh, maybe it's seven. Maybe it's seven. I, I, I could just be exaggerating. Oh, for comedic effect. But anyway, uh, they are spinning off the Evil Bong series. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> the Ginger <laughs> Man is coming in 2021. Uh, run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't puff me. I'm the Ginger Weed Man. Uh, that's going to be directed oh. by Brock. <laughs> and uh, they also are going to be spinning off uh, the retro puppet master Iron Cross uh, with a character from that film. Uh, they're going to be making a film featuring Dr. Death. Uh, and that's going to be directed by uh, John Lechago, who I believe also did direct uh, the Iron Cross. Uh, so uh, a couple of spinoffs in the world of Full Moon Entertainment, uh, that those high quality films that they continue to churn out on a regular basis. <laughs> okay, that's what so the show is going to do. <laughs> do it. Hit up Full Moon. You know, Full Moon doesn't give a fuck. Like, we don't care if we don't have a fan base. We're going to make these movies whether you like it or not, motherfucker. <laughs> Somebody must be watching them, man. Somebody must be watching them. <laughs> okay, so uh, let, let me ask you guys, because I, I uh, Retro Puppet Master, is that a different line than the regular Puppet Master movies? Yes. It was a one-off called oh, Retro okay. Puppet Master. So yeah, it was a one-off oh, okay. movie, and they introduced Doctor Death in that. Yeah, there was a there was a there was a um a puppet master in uh retro puppet master in 1999. Mm-hmm. But then the the Iron Cross one. Uh, when did that one come, King? When did Iron Cross that was, one come? That came. That oh, was that like was last year. That was only a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um. That was oh, okay. after the last Reich. That was after. That was the one after the last Reich. Yeah, and the last Reich. The yeah. Iron Cross. The Iron Cross introduced uh, Doctor Death, and now uh, Iron Cross spinoff will be a feature about Doctor Death. So uh, the Puppet Master series mm. continues on uh, forever. <laughs> continues on forever. It would seem uh, they so. must be making money somehow. <laughs> So they keep making these movies. Somebody keeps giving full moon money. They keep making these things. Gingerweed man. Uh, like, uh, I I I bought two copies of The Littlest Reich. I sent one to my niece and one to my son. So I did actually buy two copies of that. <laughs> I have but a copy of it. So yeah, I, I bought them one time. <laughs> oh shit! Oh yeah. shit! Oh shit! No, Uh-oh. I just, I just happened to still have the window open on my computer. I just refreshed my page. I got one in the cart. Hey, he's got a PS5, everybody. <laughs> 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 Quick checkout, really fast. Don't want to go away. Go ahead. You do that, like and the cart. we will talk amongst ourselves. No, no, no. no. You we go ahead and check out. Talk. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't. 
No. <laughs> I have a copy of what it was we'll talk like, about- you know, so I'm going to. I'm not. I mean, I'm not completely hating on Full Moon, but it's like the Chota Brothers are like, oh my God, we're having such a hard time getting Killer Clowns two off the ground. Fans help us out. Meanwhile, Full Moon just fucking cranking them out. Like these yeah. movies that I, I don't know who their audience is, but they obviously have one. I mean, Gingerweed Man. I'm sure people are going to see that. Evil Bong is like seven movies. The Ginger Dead Man. You know, all these just yeah. fucking insane movies that make Trauma look like a fucking Oscar award-winning studio. <laughs> Yeah, Full, Full Moon is really bad about the really bad CGI, and yeah, they, they make no <laughs> apologies whatsoever. Nope. They're like, you're getting ready to watch a Full Moon movie. You know it's getting ready to happen. <laughs> yeah, and that's why Trauma still embraces practical, which is why I support them more than Full Moon. And Full Moon just tries too much CGI mm. all the fucking time. Meanwhile, Trauma's still out there throwing blood at people out of buckets. I think this is going to be great. Yeah, because I want to say I actually think Full Moon uh, started trying to do their own horror host thing and um, had William Shatner as their horror host. Yeah, for a while. It was a short time, but yeah, he did uh, host for Full Moon. Yeah, because I I was catching that they have those uh, for free, like I want to say, I think on uh, Fright Flicks, uh, which is Mm. free on um, your (coughs) – excuse me, on your your Hulu. It's one of those channels that you can download. But yeah, so I – you know, checked it out. Like I literally watched half a movie, and I was just like, okay, no, I can't do this. Um, Yeah, it's (laughs) – yeah, it's, it's, it's a horrible, horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like you are definitely not Elvira. Here's something, uh, something new to talk about while I run to grab my wallet real fast. Uh, there's going to be a new Final Destination movie, another final, the final, final, yeah. final Destination movie. Uh, Jerry Meadows, uh says uh, yet another sequel will be happening. Uh, he said COVID has paused it, uh, but it's going to be happening. I will be right back. Yeah, he did say it's going to be happening and that it's going to take place in the world of first responders, EMTs, firefighters, police, and that we will never look at a revolving door the same way again. So, yeah, they're planning on making another Final Destination movie. I'm in for it. I fucking, those movies are just such candy to me when it comes to horror. I'm there for the death, and they always do it. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. It's like you know, I, I fucking love those movies because when we covered the original one, I accidentally downloaded the you know latest 3D one, you know where it had the uh, um, <clears throat> the fence scene, and it fucking loved it. Yeah, but <laughs> but yeah, I just love those movies. They're just fun, fun bubble bubblegum popcorn kind of movies where it's just silly stupid over the top shit where it's just a really really bad Tom and Jerry cartoon gone really really bad <laughs> and it's just how can you not have fun mm-hmm. watching a Final Destination movie <laughs> it's impossible not to yeah it's just impossible to not have a smile on your face watching these teens get killed and then Tony Todd showing up going you don't want to fuck with that Mac Daddy like Jesus <laughs> yes. <Mac> Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you Tony just keep showing up Keep showing up in the Which and best watching yeah, yeah. Tony Todd. Tony Todd is the corner in the uh, Final Destination movies, the funeral director. In the first movie where he's like, I want to fuck with that Mac Daddy. Uh, that's the line of the movie. I have to say that and, the, the um, yeah. first Final Destination movie, uh, the, the opening scene still is uh, fucking ridiculous. The whole opening oh, the plane crash? Yeah. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. In their best ways. In the best ways. <laughs> they always know how to sell it in those opening. The, the, I think the second one did a little bit better with the highway crash because of just fucking oh, how yeah. amped up and insane it was. Like with the log truck and the log going through the cop's car and the motorcycle getting crashed. Like it just, they're like, you know what? We're yeah. just going off the rails with this. We're having fun. Yeah. We know you're having yeah. fun. So let's just do it. Yeah, to, to this day, if I'm, like, on the highway and I got the family in the car with me and I'm near a log truck, I will fucking fly by that motherfucker. I don't give a shit where cops are, you know, and Ian will be like, how fast are you going? And I was like, it doesn't fucking, fucking matter. We are not staying behind a fucking log truck. <laughs> Once you see Final Destination no. 2, you will understand. <laughs> you will never want to be behind a truck again. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's what I want. Same, I'm the same way. If I'm out on the road, I do not go behind one of those. I'll gladly get in the other nope. lane and speed right by it. I don't want to log in <laughs> thrown through my windshield. No. I'm crushing me like no. a crush. And uh, <laughs> when, I, when I was driving, uh, when, I, when I moved to California and was driving across the country and had to cross over uh, the mountains to get west, uh, there were tons of those fucking logging trucks, man. Every fucking time I saw one, all I could fucking think about freaked me the fuck out, <laughs> stayed far the fuck away from them. And then when... <laughs> Uh, earlier this year, I, I, we took a road trip up to, from here to Oregon and, uh, hit a couple of different cities in Oregon. And, uh, it was a like, kind of mountains, uh, to work our way across, uh, you know, to get to where we were going. And, um, it was, uh, the same situation. I just, I wanted no part of, of, of that. And, and <laughs> was like, fuck this. And yeah, that's some, I, I see that stuff, man. That's some serious business. It teaches you lessons, these movies. I mean, that's why I'm never getting on a plane. That's why I'm never getting behind a truck carrying logs. Like, you know, these movies are just moral movies. So it's like, you know what? That's why I don't do these things. I don't want to die violently. I'm happy to live my life. <laughs> don't go to a NASCAR race. <laughs> no. Nope. I wouldn't do it anyway just because it's NASCAR. But still, avoid them because you don't want to get wrecked by a tire flying at your face. <laughs> Yeah, and I've been to plenty of short track races where that kind of shit, you know, yeah, they get right up against the fence, and they're just all, and it's like, everyone comes running to the fence, like, you stupid motherfuckers. <laughs> Thanks, you almost killed me, but I'm so glad I'm here. NASCAR! <laughs> get her done! <laughs> <laughs> Woo, you go around that track! Yeah! That's Help that. me, Tom Cruise! Uh, Help <laughs> <laughs> Help me, Tom Cruise with Jesus baby. <laughs> Help me, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> but all right, Dean, have you purchased your PS5 and you're ready to go with uh, more news? No, we, we can good? continue. I, I'm, I, I, might, I might be out of the out of the game here uh, with uh, some, uh, you know, chick chick uh, fucking funny business on the website here. Uh, but anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, there's going to be a TV reimagining of Mary really? Shelley's Frankenstein uh, that's going to oh. be set in Europe. Uh, this is going to be a tag team between Stone Village Television and Block, uh, Black Box Multimedia. Uh, a TV reimagining of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's going to focus on like the psychology of the doctor and so on and so forth. Again, another one of those things with no release date and no start date. But, um, you know, if you're a fan of uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, there's going to be more of that on the horizon. 
Oh, know, yay. I, I wonder if it's going to be any better than the Robert De Niro one. <laughs> uh, you know, I read that, the whole thing about uh, the Frankenstein thing. I want to know what happened to Frankenstein Cop that was announced last year when they said that there was going to be a Frankenstein Cop drama starring Ryan Felipe. He had been cast. CBS was going to air it, and it was going to be about a guy that dies and comes back to life uh, to fight crime. So it was going to be like Frankenstein Cop. And I was all for it. I was like, you know, that sounds like a lot of fun. And just nothing after, you know, last year, January was like the last time, I think in 2019, that they had said anything about Frankenstein Cop. I'm so pissed off. So I guess they're going back to the well with this new Mary Shelley thing. Uh, yeah, Ryan Felipe's been uh, busy working on, like, Hallmark Christmas movies and shit like that within the past year. I think he's got, like, a, a couple that are coming out this holiday season or something like that. He's Yeah, he's got some kind of shit going on there. Oh, he was on Big Sky, <laughs> that show I talked about at the top. On, uh, oh, he ABC. was? He, he, he stars in that. So, yeah, he's working. The guy's got work. I don't know how, because I've never been a Ryan Felipe fan. But, yeah, he manages to find projects. But, yeah, Frankenstein Cop, I don't know if it's ever going to get made. But I, I want it to. I need something that silly in my life. But I'll see what they have. Because uh, I don't know, Dean, if you have the news about Channing Tatum, you know, working with Universal. Uh, what, say it. Uh, uh, Channing what is Tatum it? is signing on board to do a movie for Universal about an untitled monster movie for Universal. So they're not revealing what monster think, it is if it's getting the original. So, yeah. Yeah, he is. I, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Okay, I is, put it on the, uh, and, the Facebook page, uh, but, yeah, it's there. Okay. And you're saying um, they're not saying the monster at all, or are they saying it's going to be an original monster, or are they going, like, you know, to the classics or anything? Uh, currently, they're just saying it's an untitled monster project for Universal, but that it could possibly be under the Universal Monsters band. So it could be you know, any number of Frankenstein, Dracula, the mummy, any yeah. one of those. But they are currently wrapping it up by saying it's untitled. So they're kind of not letting it go. But I don't know. I mean, I saw The Invisible Man, and I was so let down by that movie that I'm kind of done with the oh, Universal really? Monsters. Yeah, I didn't because, like it. Because I, I keep hearing a lot of mixed stuff about that where either people really love it or they really hate it. You know, um, you know, everyone keeps saying, say, you know, it's supposed to be a new, fresh take on it, you know, but yeah, so you, so so you weren't happy with it at all. It's okay. I mean, it, it's not the worst. I don't hate it, but I didn't like it either. Um, I just I didn't like how they handled the whole invisibility thing with with it. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But how they handle the invisibility of of said man, the scientist, uh, it kind of takes right. a back seat. So Elizabeth Moss being this beaten woman that wants to escape this relationship with this guy, then it just it carries on from there. And it's got some interesting things, but they just they put everything that you want to the back seat. Like they don't want to explain to you anything about the scientists. They're just like, you know what, he's invisible now, and Elizabeth Moss is crazy. So we're gonna go from there. It's, it's just drag. So yeah. So it's so it's like a Lifetime tried to make a Universal Monsters movie. Yes, absolutely. Like if you would put Meredith Baxter burning in it, I would have bought it. I'd been like, you know what, I know it. That's, really? You know, that's Miss Lifetime. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow, man. <laughs> Meredith Baxter Burney is what told you? No, I said if they put Meredith Baxter Burney in this Invisible Man movie, I would have been like, you know what? It really is a Lifetime movie, just with, with some horror thrown in. But instead, they put <laughs> so Elizabeth Moss in there. What you're saying is you, you love Mer- Meredith Baxter Burney. Man, she no, sells those hate- Lifetime movies. She just cranks <laughs> them out. 
there's no subject that Meredith Baxter Burney won't touch when it comes to those movies. Teen <laughs> suicide, bulimia, anorexia, drug use, home abuse, domestic violence. She's there. And it's a lifetime movie. Ah, uh, yeah, horrible, horrible lifetime stuff. Meanwhile, on Peacock and whatnot, <laughs> just in case you guys didn't know, <laughs> because we talk about just random shit from time to time, like I just heard today, they're gonna sit there and do a Saved by the Bell reunion. So there you go, King. You just you just learned of that now. <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah. that's old. That's been out. That's not new. They've been talking about that for a while now on Peacock. It's not a reunion. It's more yeah, like that. a reboot. With the original the, cast uh, members. Yeah, except it, well, it's, 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 uh, it's like a reboot. Uh, Jesse and A.C. Slater uh, work at Bayside High. Um, A.C. Slater's like a washed-up gym teacher, like reliving his glory days. And Jesse is the uh, guidance counselor. Uh, Zach Morris is now like the governor of California. Uh, and yeah. his son goes that... to Bayside. And it's something like, uh, after some big blunder that uh, from Zach Morris, like his plan to fix it is to have like students from an uh, like underprivileged world go to all the good high schools. So now you have some urban kids uh, that come to Bayside uh, to navigate their way through like the Bayside world. Um, oh no, we can't the... have black and Spanish kids in this world, can we? Yeah. Oh, geez. yeah. So, oh, wow. I have to say that. <laughs> The the original teaser that came out qu- quite some time ago uh, looked uh, like all right like maybe there's some 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 entertaining stuff here uh, and then like the full length trailer that just came out recently ahead of like the show actually debuting like really made it look like a like a mess and I just the other day and I'm we don't need to get into the specifics of this of course but like I just read that that truly like like the show is like 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 a mess. Like, I just can't decide yeah. what it wants to be. Mm. I yeah, that I, too, I, I just, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I just saw the trailer for, like, they, they had put done a thing on Entertainment Tonight tonight about it, and everything that I saw about it, I was like, it looks exactly like the uh, Beverly Hills 90210 reboot. When they um, did that, and you had some of the cast teaching at the school, and all that kind of stuff, and you had some of the original cast, and you had some new new cast going on, you know, it, it looks pretty much like a ripoff of that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also have the Fresh Prince of Bel Air drama coming soon. It's Peacock. That no, 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 no. That's, now, so, that's, it's, yeah. it, no, it's a, just some clarification. Uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air is a, it's a reunion. It's a one off hour and 15 minute reunion special uh, for HBO Max. Uh, oh, no, a, no. You're missing, it, yeah. it, it's on Google. Oh, you're, He's doing a oh, you're talking about like that, like you're talking about like the, that Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like as a drama. Are you talking about that thing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if that's actually going to end up happening or not, but I do have to say that the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and I just I want to be 100% clear here. Like I watched the original first episode of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like on its debut night, uh, and was a devoted <laughs> watcher of that show. Uh, for its entire run, and yeah. weren't you like two? What, what year were you born, King? Eighty-four. I'm the one first okay. debuted. Uh, <laughs> I remember going to NBC. I remember watching the first episode. I think you were born in like eighty-seven or eighty-eight. No, um, <laughs> but um, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion 
uh, that's on HBO Max right now is fucking stellar. It's stellar. I realized forever, well, not forever ago, but I realized that my parents have been forever uh, customers of HBO. And then I was like, duh, if they're customers of HBO, like they have access to HBO Max. So I was like, mom, like what's up with HBO Max? And my parents, they're old. They, they have no idea about like apps and shit like that. They just turn on the TV and click to the HBO channel. You know, it was like, give me your freaking BIOS login. So I got their login and like, <laughs> like created an account and got like HBO Max. And then HBO Max, uh, for my TV, like I have a Fire Stick, uh, HBO Max was not on Fire Stick or Roku because of like negotiations and disagreements. Uh, so like, sure, I could have it on my phone, but they did some uh, or my computer, but they did some uh, they did some uh, funny business where uh, they like kind of blocked the ability to cast to your TV uh, from your phone. Mm. Oh, or I remember your you saying that. And, yeah, but then Amazon finally struck a deal and I just the other day watched the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion and it is fucking fantastic. If you were a fan of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and you are able to see HBO Max, I could not recommend it stronger. I mean, it's, it's waterworks and tears and crying the whole fucking time. Like they really figured out how to hammer the fucking heartstrings at you, man. It was fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, I got to admit, man. James Avery being done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and James just, Avery you know, segment, I, you're like a blubber you're like a blubbering mess. <laughs> Go ahead, monkey. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, while I don't like Will Smith as a person, like I gotta admit that yeah, I really fucking enjoyed that show while it was on the air, man. It was just a great, great family yeah. comedy. It really was, and you know me, I hate Will Smith too. I don't like him as an actor, but fucking Fresh Prince was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I watched almost every episode <laughs> of that show. It was just funny, and it wasn't just him. It was everybody. Like, I was a huge fan of James Avery yeah. because of his performance as Uncle Phil and, and watching him in uh, License to Drive and other movies that he did back in the day. So. Oh, that's um, right. He was the drive instructor with the cup of coffee, yeah. right? Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, and then I like even, and then I remember him even in the really really shitty Brady Bunch movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he was one of the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. He actually yeah. too. Here's and here's like an obscure one, and it's it's hard to figure out which one he actually is. Uh, but in the segment in the Blues Brothers, when Jake and Elwood Blues go to Ray's Music Exchange uh, with proprietor Ray Charles to get their instruments, and there's the whole shake your tail feather uh, dancing sequence in the streets, uh, James Avery is yeah. one of the dancers in the choreographed dances. Uh, I, I, oh, I have known this forever, and I have watched it forever, and I can't pick out uh, who he is, but he's in there. That is That's awesome. Cool. I didn't know that either. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what else do you have, Dean? Uh, wrapping it up, uh, Chris Columbus states that the script for Gremlins 3 is written and ready to go. Uh, they have a couple of things they need to sort out. Um, they need to figure out like when uh, to make it. Plus, he said that there are some minor uh, rights issues uh, that need to be sorted yeah. out. And he also said who's gonna pay that... For it. <laughs> Well, again, I believe that uh, whether or not that um, Adventures of the Mogwai animated series, if that's a success, uh, that will get, I've said this for going back forever, that that will be the springboard to a third feature film. Uh, And one thing that's exciting that Chris Columbus 
uh, did say uh, was that they are talking practical puppets and practical effects, uh, and Oops, they so. want to use as little CGI as possible. Well, that'll be awesome. Yeah, no CGI. That's what I go by. I like practical. So using practical puppets, why not? You know, I'm sure it can't be that expensive. Well, it's just at the same time, it's like, you know, we, we just saw it with our Dark Crystal Age of Resistance where they were sitting there doing a really, really nice blend of CGI and puppets. All right, so it's possible to actually blend the two. It's like you can still have the puppets, but then you go through and then clean clean it up with CGI, you know, and it works. The problem it works really well. Yeah, except well, Dark Crystal, <laughs> the dark dark crystal, crystal material. Nobody wanted up. to watch that. That was more, that was more of like a... Like a like a like a like a segment. It was it wasn't like, a, like Gremlins was widespread. Dark Crystal was more not not cult, but uh, you know it wasn't a wide audience for that. What? Yeah, that's a niche we, crowd. We, 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 okay, yeah, we we can counter that back right. and forth. Well, anyway, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a niche yeah, crowd. I'm sorry, yeah. monkey, but yeah. Dark Crystal. That's a niche crowd. <laughs> yeah, you're the only one that ever near the kind of crowd. Nowhere near the kind of crowd that Gremlins had. Um, but carry on. I'm going to step away for 10 seconds. I'll be right back. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't mean to step on your okay. shoes, monkey, but yeah, I, Dark Crystal, I don't know. I think you and the, the, the ghoul are the only two I ever heard talk about Dark Crystal. No, but at the same time, Dark Crystal, it's like a lot of people who are also really, really into things like Lord of the Rings and fantasy and all that kind of stuff are the same people who would be really, really big into the Dark Crystal, especially women. Okay, and there's a lot of women fans that are out there who fucking love Dark Crystal, okay? But again, yes, I understand where you're coming from. It did get buried. It's just one of those things where it's just, yeah, if you're a fan, you're a hardcore bloody fan, and you're going to be all about the, you know, the family of, or I mean, the artwork of Brian Proud and the family that tried to bring back his son was there trying to bring back Dark Crystal and it just didn't bloody work. You know, we've I've talked about it before. They, what was a fun, innocent project by Henson, they went and turned into fucking Game of Thrones and it bloody well failed. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. What else do you have, Dean? Uh, as I said before I talked about Gremlins, I said wrapping it up. All right, wrapping it up. So we're going to get into our movie tonight. A Clockwork Orange from 1971, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Monkey, this is your pick, so take it away, Drew B. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah. All right, okay. Sorry. I'm just so excited. Um, yeah, A Clockwork Orange is an autobiographical tale of our dear little Alex a 15-year-old boy who lives in a future England where all is not quite right in the world. It is an industrialized, labor-driven world where parents must work all the time to make ends meet, leaving their children to often fend for themselves, like the 80s. (laughs) And fend for themselves Mm -hmm. they do, with knife and chain, bat and fist, as they roam the streets in gangs looking for anything to do, just as long as the results are definitely ultra-violent. This lust for trouble lands Alex in prison. In an adult penitentiary, what is a child supposed to do? As luck may have it, there is a new treatment that may be able to cure his thirst for violence and become a productive member of society. But at what cost and at what toll will this new treatment take on our dear narrator, young Alex? All right. Yeah. Me? All right. I fucking love this movie. 
I've been wanting to cover this for a fucking long, 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 long time. Uh, it's just not wasn't really sure if it actually fit our niche. But like the ghoul often said, okay, horror is subjective, and horror is not always blood and guts. It is not always jump scares. Horror is can simply be horrific situations, and this is definitely a movie that covers horrific situations. And to me, this is just a bloody brilliant. I mean, this is like downright one of Kubrick's best. Uh, but I believe that's partially because it's based on some wonderful source material. Um, and then you have Kubrick playing with the film, nailing those perfect narrative shots, all beautifully mixed with some of the most moving classical music that there is. You know, Beethoven's Ninth. You know, all blending and mixing together beautifully to give us this really, really fun, dark comedy that is A Clockwork Orange. All right. So, Dean, what do you think about A Clockwork Orange? Yeah, man. I mean, it's all of those things uh, that the monkey has said. Uh, you know, I remember being, uh, you know, not, not a young teenager, not like 13, 14, but maybe like, maybe like 16, maybe late 15, 16, and uh kind of coinciding with the discovery of marijuana, but that was, you know, it was one of those that at the time, and I don't know if it still is amongst like the teenage stoner set. I have no idea, but it was one of those things that was considered like, Oh, like Hawkwick orange is a drug movie. Like that's a movie you have to watch on drugs. You know, you got to like get stoned and watch the clockwork orange and, you know, but have you watched uh, the clockwork orange stoned? <laughs> yeah. Have you watched it on weed? Um, but you know, it's one of those that had this reputation, um, about it, uh, that preceded itself, you know, um, yeah, that when you finally got around to watching it, uh, one, it's like nothing else, you know, it's not like, Oh, it's similar to this or similar to that. Uh, it's his own thing, uh, different from anything you had seen before. Uh, and, you know, watching it as a, you know, as like a stoned, uh, teenager, like it felt like you were watching something that, uh, you know, was bigger than you understood, like, from your station in life then at the time. Um, and also something that was well, just like tremendously fucked up. Uh, you know, what is this that I'm watching? Why am I watching this? Am I supposed to be watching this? What does it all mean? Um, the Clockwork Orange, and and it's one of those, it's on my list of books to go back and read. Um, I've talked before absolutely. about my long running uh, reading project where I go back and read books from, uh, movies that I've seen many times that have a book source. Um, I've never read the book, but you oh. know, Clockwork Orange is a is a is a is a bizarre marvel, uh, dark and funny. Um, you know, I hope it's one that, uh, and I'm sure that it will. You know, because I would imagine uh, there's many, many to this day, many uh, maybe not now because everybody is on fucking uh, <laughs> lockdown uh, because of COVID. Uh, but I would imagine that just like when I was a teenager, that in dorm rooms across the country, there's still, uh, you know, that poster up on the wall, a picture of Alex, like, like leaning down with that little glimmer in his eye. And I hope that 
is still the case, man. Clockwork Orange is a fucking bizarro fucking masterpiece. Wow, well said. How about you, King? Uh, well, before I get into my thoughts, I wanted to really quickly to say what the ghoul had to say, because he did put it in the group chat, oh, awesome. and I wanted to make sure that his voice was heard. Um, he had said, obviously, I love a Clockwork Orange and the twisted ideas of where we can end up as a society of desensitized beings and the violence that comes from it. It speaks very much to today's internet age, and he's also pretty sure he jerked off to the rape scene when he was tripping on acid. So that's all cool. I, I can I can confirm that. <laughs> I might have watched that happen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it, it's very possible that took place. I, I, I definitely wasn't watching it, but I might have been told about it the next day. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and that's our goal. We love him for it. Uh, but, yeah, for me, I saw the Clockwork Orange when I was in high school. I read the book first, and then I saw the movie. And that's because a lot of the punk girls that I was hanging out with fucking loved it. Like, they're like, Clockwork Orange mm-hmm. is the best fucking movie. you got to watch it. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, I want to get in pants, so I'll watch it. And then we could talk about it. Like, you know, so that was my intro into Clockwork Orange, was watching it because I just wanted to bang a lot of punk girls back in high school. But... I ended up falling in love with the movie. How many of them did you get uh, to do that to? Uh, three, actually. It worked out pretty well for me. I had a pretty successful high school run with a lot of the punk girls and goth girls. They were just so much fun. Just, wow. Can't say enough good things about those girls. But, um, yeah, as far as the movie goes, yeah, Malcolm McDowell, I'm a huge fan of Malcolm McDowell, and seeing him in this movie is amazing because um, there's points where you really don't like him at all as Alex, where you could see that he's just, uh, you know, a goody goody type of gang guy who just wants to cause ultra violence. But then there's points where he gets his redemption towards the end where you actually do feel kind of bad for him because he did have this torturous kind of experimentation done to him and he's reformed at you the know, same time. Now he's paying for his past sins. Yes. Hold on. Let him, let him finish. Um, Dean. Oh, I apologize. Oh, I'm finished. Yep. Go ahead. I was going to oh, say okay. just something. I just want to comment very quickly before we move on on, on Malcolm McDowell. Um, Clockwork Orange to me was so striking that subsequently after having seen it for the first time and then after seeing it for the first time, had watched it like several times, uh, you know, you know, in a regular rotation for for a while, uh, that whenever I would see something else that Malcolm McDowell was in, I would have this feeling and be like, oh, it's Malcolm McDowell from Clockwork Orange. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Hell fucking yeah! Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. I felt the same, I felt the exact same way every time uh, I would watch an episode of Fantasy Island with the the reboot that was done in the late nineties, and he was the Mister Rourke. <laughs> what were you saying, King? Yeah, I mean, it's just he's a, a brilliant actor. He's not my Loomis, but he's still a good actor. You know, I, I just try to put those movies out of my head, <laughs> but um, he's just he's fantastic, and I like how. In this movie, when you start out, it's he's already ahead of this gang at the Corova bar where they drink milk that's been laced with drugs. You know, so it's been going on for some time. You're not seeing the birth of a gang. This is already there. Laced with drugs. They're already causing trouble. They're doing Story those games life. like Hogs on the Road when they're racing down the road and rushing people off the road. You know, they're already doing bad things and nefarious things. Um, I kind of wish we had seen more of the different gangs. Um, in the movie, we do see Billy Boy and his gangs go up against the Droogs early on, but then that's really about it. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, of competition uh, with uh, Alex and his Droogs. Well, uh, um, I, I'm with you here where it's like I'd like to see more of that, but again, it's the exact same thing, unfortunately, with the Warriors, okay, you know, <laughs> where yeah. – 
I would like to see more of that stuff, but that's not what the story is about. And I wish they had, um, the author had gone back and written like a prequel, if you will, to a Clockwork Orange of giving us the days of him, you know, in the game, just going around, do, just doing street violence. And like, mm. and, but, yeah, and if you have not read it, seriously, the novel by Anthony Burgess, okay? Uh, under the same name, A Clockwork Orange, okay? It's an easy, easy fucking read. It's like, honestly, it's yeah. literally 192 pages. I'm holding my copy right now, all right? And mm-hmm. if you do, all right, <laughs> read it. It's an awesome read. Kubrick did a great job of adapting the book to the movie. and um, But make sure when you sit there and get a copy, make sure you get one that has complete 21 chapters, okay? Yeah, that make final sure you don't, don't get the... Yeah, it's just... In my, yeah, in my opinion, it is. But make sure you have the one with 21 chapters. That's the original script. Because if you have one that only has 20, then you're you're missing <laughs> the original script. And the 21 chapters, was, that's lucky. Yeah, because that's how he wrote it, because it's supposed to be transition is 21 is the last age that you are as considered like going into full adulthood. So that's why it was written into 21 chapters. So just, I'm just saying, make sure you have the one that actually has all of them. So you have the complete story of clockwork orange. That being said, also read, read it because it's way more fun because you get, get really, really soaked in the ad set. You know, in the movie, they just throw it at you every once in a while. You're like, it, it, when you read the book, it's, you, you're going to be so bloody confused sometimes because it gets so mixed up in the mad set. Oh, yeah, with, with that special language that Burgess created. Um, so yeah. it, could, it could make it a little bit difficult, but uh, it's easy to navigate. But um, So, yeah, we see them playing Hogs on the Road. You see them fighting with Billy Boy and his gang. They accost a homeless man in an alley. And they kind of wrap up their night of mischief and violence with going to home where Frank Alexander and his wife are. And they decide to pull the trick of, well, we're shining on the side of the road and we need help. Well, if they need help, we'll let them in. And, of course, that's the wrong move to make because then they proceed to beat up Frank Alexander and cut apart his wife's clothing while Alex sings Singing in the Rain, all the while wearing a phallus mask, which just, it's, you know, uncomfortable, but at the same time, it's just entertaining. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh my god! It's like the, watching the movie like for for the first time because again, like you said, King, you know, we we talked about this earlier. Was again a punk rock chick introduced this to to me and she was like, "Yeah, we totally gotta watch this movie." And I was like, "All right, we're making out, right?" And she goes, "Yeah, after the movie." And I was like, "Okay," but yeah. No, no, I'm so glad she did because I fucking fell in love with the movie just like the King did. And during this scene, it's like it, I feel so wrong to be enjoying myself so much during this scene. And that's the thing about Kubrick in this. Yeah. Like what he does is it's dark comedy. It's fucking wrong. But you're there in your head. You're singing. You're clapping along. And then, yeah, shit goes <laughs> and then he and was that saying, was all yeah, <laughs> that singing in the rain that was not originally in the shooting strip but because Kubrick was so bored he was like alright so Malcolm just do something fun what's a song that you know and he goes singing in the rain he goes we'll do that and can you dance yes okay well then dance and sing that song 
yeah. while you're beating this man, and then you're yeah. about to rape his wife. Yeah. And without it, I think it would have yeah. been a pretty just weird yeah. adult scene. It's, it's, that song just adds to it. Oh, yeah, because the original scene was just supposed to be the Drews going around smashing up, uh, yep. you know, throwing wine bottles all over the place and whatnot. But, like, it was, like, off screen that he actually hit up Malcolm McDowell, like, can you dance? And he was like, well, yeah, and then he broke into Singing in the Rain, and then he, like, he immediately snatched up Malcolm McDowell and literally threw him in his car, and they drove to his house which was like about half an hour away, I believe. And then Kubrick mm-hmm. got on the phone and because and, I was listening to this on the uh, commentary for the DVD. I'm not going to I was like, okay. Uh, and then he goes and buys the rights for Singing in the Rain. It's like, what kind of money does Kubrick have to where he's able to just throw this kind of stuff all over the fucking place? And he's like, yeah, okay, I want the rights to this song. Yeah, because we're going to do some really, really nasty shit to it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it was good that he did because they could put it in there. Um, but yeah, after after the rape, they go back to the Corova bar where there's an opera singer. And this is where, for me, this is where you get Alex's kind of sense of, of humanity in a way because he is a fan of music, more specifically Wodwick Van, you know, and the Ninth and, and classical music. But it's as violent as he is, as sadistic as he is, you just have this moment where he just loves this music. It's beautiful to him. And that's why he beats on Dim when Dim makes that farting noise when the opera singer is trying to sing. He's like, you're ruining this, Dim. You know, <laughs> this is a beautiful moment, and you're ruining it, you ass. So that's why I had to, you know, beat on you a little bit. So that's what I got it from it anyway. Yeah. Like, as, as evil yeah, as he um, is, he does have a human side. I Well, I don't want to sit there and so much say he has a human side. I, like I, I took it as there are some things that he considers sacred. And mm-hmm. yeah, I would say Ludwig that. Yeah, Band is definitely better. one of those things that he considers sacred. Okay. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm going to sit there and go sacred, not naked, like the I ghoul was when he was masturbating. <laughs> speaking of like the ghoul, the ghoul was when he was. <laughs> Yeah, like when he was masturbating to the rape scene. But real quick, I want to sit there and rewind, okay, because I want to sit there and talk about the car. Yeah, we're going to – yeah, we're going to go back. Uh, let's get over with and you're fucking jerking off about the car. Oh, it's my bloody pick. I can talk about the fucking car, all right? <laughs> the, the Durango 95, all right, which is what was considered in the movie, was actually an M505 Adams Brothers Probe 16. Okay, this was a prototype car, and only three of getting made in the entire world, okay? Only fucking three, okay? This motherfucker was an experiment in aerodynamics. The thing is only 36 inches high from ground to top of the roof. The only way to get into this, because this was a well-designed car, is to go into the sliding glass roof, okay? And the owner of one of these cars lent it to Kubrick for the movie. But to this day, those three cars do still exist, just so you know, including the one that was exciting. in the fucking movie. Exciting stuff. Just exciting. That we know about that car. I'm, I'm better for it. Fuck you, car. Things are getting coffee around here. With the, with the car porn. But yeah, I know. <clears throat> but yeah, exciting stuff. Things are getting um, salty. <laughs> but the next day happening, um, I love the fact that his parents are the most English parents I think I've ever seen in the movie. Where there's a, they're there, but they're not there. <laughs> you know, just, 
Oh, are you sick? Okay, well, I guess you got to stay home. We got to go to work. Okay, take care. But Phil Stone playing his father, that's Mr. Grady from The Shining. I just, I loved it. I, I completely forgot he was in this movie. And then when he showed up, I was like, oh, Grady, there he is. <laughs> right, but again, okay, this is what I wanted to get to is, um, like, you know, he probably didn't realize this because when he wrote it, it was in the 1960s, all right? This was pretty much us in the 80s. You know, we took care of ourselves. Yeah. You know, 80s, 90s, you know, we, we were, you know, <laughs> half of us were latchkey kids. We were all going out, running around, taking care of ourselves. While our parents were all off at work, you know, being career parents, you know, <laughs> this and that. But, yeah, <laughs> we call in sick, you know, <laughs> to our parents. And then we run off and go have a Ferris Bueller day, you know, but yeah. again, you know, yeah. And it's just parents having to do what they got to do because they got to work their ass off in this, you know, really, really shitty fucked up future, whenever that is <laughs> off to the factory. No, man. Me, you know, in me pink apron and my, my see-through neon pink apron and shit. I have no idea what she was wearing, but I believe that was the lady from, are you being served? <laughs> Who always yeah, sure wore very, very, yeah, who always wear very, very odd wigs. What were you saying, Dean? Uh, I was just making sarcastic comments. <laughs> yeah. But he does no, say no, no, that he ends up being accosted by his uh, probation officer, Mr. Deltoid. It's great <laughs> when you see him in that frame when he's walking past very the room accosted. with his underwear and all of a sudden you see the guy <laughs> sitting Mr. there. Altoid? Yeah, Mr. Deltoid, <laughs> yep. the, the probation officer, who decides to smack him right on the dick. It's like, Jesus, man. Like, you know, and then you're going to drink from that glass with the teeth in it? You don't notice that there's fucking dentures in that glass? Come on, man. <laughs> well, okay, it's because he's so fucking horny, that's why. And so fucking excited. Yeah. He's thinking he's, <laughs> yeah, he wants to fucking rape the hell out of you. Our, our faithful narrator, young Alex. It's just oh, he does. wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> he wants it so bad. And that's why Alex has to put on his prince coat and go to the shop, you know, where he could look around for a package he has and decides to seduce two women. I mean, big time game, with Alex. Oh, <laughs> you are invited. Fucking... Come along now. Your uncle is here. Uh, <laughs> I fucking love this scene. It's just, again, it's like we see him just being charming as fuck. You know, going out, like you said, his big old purple pit prince coat. Oh, you know, Beethoven's ninth. Uh, you know, blasting in the background what's going on, him just going around like this odd little flea market kind of record store kind of thing, you know. And, you know, again, Stanley Kubrick being humble as fuck, go around to the front counter, hey, what's the top-selling album right there in the very front? Oh, the soundtrack for 2001 is Face Odyssey. <laughs> no fucking shit. <laughs> wow. There it is right there. wonder how that got there, Stanley. <laughs> but it's just it's wonderful yeah. because it's sped up for the movie it's sped up with the song so you know the rambling out on the bed and then one of the girls gets up and gets dressed and he takes her clothes off and then they fuck and then another girl gets up and puts her clothes on and he takes her clothes off and they fuck again That's the whole scene in its entirety is 28 minutes which was insane I know. yeah but watching it <laughs> watching that that's just one of those things that you know I'm just like what now it's just it's brilliant but you know watching like what the fuck am I watching right now? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just sped yeah, up because, sexy. <laughs> yeah, and the the thing was, I found out um, the scene was supposed to stop after they like actually had sex, but then when one of the girls got up and started putting her clothes back on, Malcolm McDowell kept it going while Kubrick kept yelling, cut, 
and Malcolm McDowell kept the scene going and going and going for the full 27 minutes. <laughs> so that was actually Can't him, him just be, kind of being an ass on the thing. But, okay, but then this is where I also want to get to into the brilliance of Kubrick and whatnot, mi- mixing the music with the scenes because before we have this scene and then the scene before, like you said, in the record shop. And he yeah. keeps doing these little things of mixing the music perfectly with the scene and just giving these little music videos well before MTV was ever fucking around. All right. And, yeah. and it's going to keep happening over and over and over throughout this film. And I think this is one of the reasons I fucking love this film so much are just all these little things that keep mixing with Beethoven's ninth, you know, in different parts of the ninth throughout the movie. And he's pretty much just, you know, from time to time, just giving us a quick little music video. Well, that's why I like the scene coming up um, on the, on the shore side. When the, after the Droogs have been telling Alex that they need to change, that Georgie should be the one taking over because uh, Alex keeps taking all the money and all the spoils from it's all the new way. So George has <laughs> got the new way. But then, like you said, with Kubrick, you have this wonderful slow motion kind of music video set once again, the classical music, where all of a sudden Alex decides, I'm going to fucking beat the fuck out of these guys and assert my dominance. <laughs> so Georgie's going to go in the water. So is Dim. And then I'm going to cut Dim's hand as he comes out of the water and yell in his face. Like, it's just, it was such a beautifully shot sequence. Yeah, uh, again, he's thinking he's proving himself as the alpha, you know, and then in retrospect, we see him narrating saying good leaders know when to give and new, <laughs> and good leaders know when to take. Uh, you know, I was only taking. <laughs> I was not being a good leader to my little troops. But yeah, you know, and the scene with them, I love it because he, they, he, you know, pushes them both in. But then he's, you know, offering his hand to them, going, "Come on, let me help you." And then you see how fucking dark he gets when he realizes his cane isn't just a fucking cane. You know, it's a yeah, fucking it's hidden knife as well. Knife. <laughs> <laughs> and slicing Dim's and, hand with yeah. it as he offers his hand. Yeah, like it's amazing. <laughs> then them all sitting at the at the restaurant where he's like, so. That's over with, huh, guys? Right, right? Right, right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, Any problems, so, Welly, welly, welly. You all but, good, you know, with the bl- bl- bloody, bloody, gooey, gooey, all fixed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's his downfall because that's when they decide that they're going to go to this health, you know, spa clinic where there's this woman that Georgie found out about, so they're going to go and make a quick job of it. But it's Alex that ultimately has to pay the price for it because of what he did to Georgie and Dim, and they get revenge on him by him going into this spa and trying to rape this woman who has that gigantic fucking dick on the fucking shelf. <laughs> like, That's a very expensive piece. Huge, huge Stop dick. messing with it. Ugh. Stop no, touching it. And he keeps slapping ahead of it. It's, I mean, that dick is just rocking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And when he just picks it up and he's trying to protect himself against her attacks, and when he kills her, that smash cut that Stanley Kubrick does, it's so brilliant, that that painting of the woman screaming, and that's the impact. He just killed her with a dick. Right, but but, uh, he gets hit upside the head by no less a Beethoven statue. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yep. again, you know, this this is how brilliant Kubrick is of just you know keep reiterating that shit. But again, it's just uh, you know Kubrick showing the sex and whatnot, but you know just the odd odd close-ups of you know the elderly woman doing all kinds of weird ass yoga splits and whatnot while being surrounded by a room full of pussy. Yeah, <laughs> she had so many pussies in that room, and yeah, all the paintings of them. Yeah, that was a lot of fucking pussy in that room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he, when Alex leaves the house and his droogs are waiting for him, and then it's Georgie who takes the milk bottle and smashes it. When Alex is laying on the ground, he's like, I'm blind! I'm blind! You bastard! So I was like, I just, I couldn't stop laughing. Thing. He just got nailed by a milk bottle, of all things. So let him be caught by the police. Well, look, mm. I mean, going back to the, you know, the... The the milk is yeah. kind of they drank the milk and that's where everything started so like it, it makes sense that it's the milk bottle yeah it does yeah, yeah that's why I, I said it's kind of poetic in a way yeah I took it the same way Gene uh, um, but yeah for him to be left on the ground and yeah <laughs> find out that he thought he only beat the woman and then we find out no things are much much worse. <laughs> and then we oh, fucking, it. Yeah. yeah. And then we got the Delpoid you know, and then we have the Delpoid <laughs> Yeah, but then we have the lad with the big, big, burly, burly, you know, Irish chops on the side of his head, just <laughs> beating the shit out of Alex because again, you know, he's only supposed to be uh, I believe it's seventeen 15. in this in the no, fifteen in the book, seventeen in the movie. Oh, that's right, yeah. That's right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he's still a minor, but they're beating the living shit out of him in his holding cell. <laughs> Just beating the oh, living yeah. crap out of him. <laughs> and spitting in his face, no less. Like, real spit. So not McDonald's face. Uh, because, again, it's Kubrick, and Kubrick does what he does, and filming things a million yeah. times. It took it took two people to actually get the spit because he kept doing so much, so many shots that the first guy ran out of fucking spit. Because Kubrick, you are a fucking dick behind the lens. We <laughs> <laughs> don't have to worry about it. And we can talk about that later with David Prowse carrying Patrick McGee down the stairs in a wheelchair. How many takes he had to do with that? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in just a moment. <laughs> <clears throat> but this, as we had said, this is what lands uh, Alex in jail. And he's sentenced to 14 years for the murder of this woman at the health spa. And while he's there, uh, I love the fact that he sits there reading the Bible, and he's just picking out the good parts, like where Jesus is getting whipped, and he's imagining himself as a Roman soldier whipping Jesus as he's going to be crucified. And, yeah, dude, I'd love to show for that. (laughs) Him just having sex with all the women, like, you know. Yeah, go ahead, Mucky. Oh, I was inhaling a cigarette, actually. But since you're taking a break anyway, yeah. Yeah. but the entire time, I, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but the entire time, while that was happening, I was laughing because again, it's it's been about two years since I've watched this movie, and now watching this, like I was just laughing my ass off because you, King, were popping into my head because <laughs> like just going through the Bible, picking out the good parts here and there and whatnot, you know, <laughs> of you know, going around whipping people, killing people, <laughs> you know. From the Old Testament, go around sleeping with everyone. And it's like, yeah, trying to find porn in the Bible. That would be the king. 
<laughs> and it is there's there. a lot of it, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of hot stuff in that Bible. You know, if you find it, it's there. But um, but yeah. while there, don't act. Don't act like it's not. But while there, he uh, Alex hears about the Ludovico technique, which is if you apply for this program for this special experiment, that you could have your prison sentence revoked. So you could basically get set free as long as you're willing to be part of this experiment. And it's not at the prison where Alex is, yeah. but he begs the minister who became friends with Alex, okay, well, maybe this could happen, and I'll put it in a good word. And Alex is eventually picked for the Ludovico yeah. technique. Um, uh, and mean, when he gets no. to the Ludovico Center, it's great. Yeah. No, uh, yes, no. Sir. The reverend is uh, the reverend is adamant against it because the reverend oh, believes yeah, right. that if you do, because if you go undergo this experiment, you are giving up free will, and that that's yes, the entire right. point of this movie. Actually, is you know, no, yeah, free will free. of choosing to be good, being versus being forced to be good okay and that's actually the point of the book that's you know the point of this mm-hmm. movie you know and that's the point of the reverend there is to sit there and be like no, you can't take away choice from an individual you're taking away the humanity right and yeah, the minister uh, ends up picking alex as we said for this technique so he's excited laying in bed he's got the full meal you know he's ready to go he doesn't have any idea what to expect and it turns into him being strapped to a chair and his eyes being pulled pried open with the pried crap open. That they have. I know, man. Yeah. Wacky, oh. wacky. The fact that, and he had the doctor next to him constantly putting the water drops in his eyes so they would stay dry. He's watching sex and violence. By the way, that was an actual doctor there by his side to make sure that his eyes actually didn't dehydrate. Because yeah, that, that was an that, yeah, that was actually rough on him, and he scratched his cornea, I believe, and actually went temporarily blind from those clasps that were holding his eyes open. He actually went temporarily blind in one eye. Yep. Yeah, because, because, because that, for filming that, DC. And it's just, it's so uncomfortable watching it just to see how much pain you would be in to have your eyes pulled open like that and just have to, you know, sit there having your eyes constantly yeah. put, you know, drops yeah. into it just so you can keep them open. Yeah. But, you know, the, the whole time he's watching it, it doesn't really have much of an effect on him until they show the concentration camp footage and they put Beethoven's knife behind it. Because once you're using the sacred piece of music to something so sadistic and violent, that's what causes him to break. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he breaks because he's like, why in the hell would you sit there and use something as beautiful as Beethoven where all he wanted to do was bring music to the world, bring love to the world, and you're putting that in the background of something so horrific, you know, and he, he starts to lose his shit. And <laughs> the doctors that are working there are like, oh, sorry, it's part of the soundtrack. We can't really change it. Sorry, it's in the film. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we, but again, we see him, you know, actually starting to cry because he's mm-hmm. feeling so upset that they are, you know, actually mixing one of the few things that he considers, but at the same time, he considers very, uh, let's see here, straight up porn on the flip side because <laughs> earlier in the movie, he likes to cap his night off by listening to Ludwig Van, where he gets very yeah. euphoric while listening to it. 
you know, it's but again, it's something that he considers sacred. It's something he considers pure, and you know, yeah, it, it's just like you know, King, you know, it would be like chopping up puppies in front of you. <laughs> yeah, why the fuck would you do that? Jeez, <laughs> you know, and walk in the room with someone beating a puppy. He's like, why did I walk in this room? Pick the wrong door. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> But after about 12 treatments of this, he's led into an auditorium to kind of show the results of all this experimentation upon him. Um, and he has an Irishman come out where he's forced to his knees and he has to lick his boots. A naked woman is brought out, and when he tries to touch her breasts, he collapses. Super fucking and hot. Sick. <laughs> yeah, super hot. But it's, it's that, like you had said about the minister, based, uh, not the minister, I'm sorry, the, the reverend in the, in the prison, Basically saying that his like compass is basically broken now. Now he has no ability to choose good over evil, so he's a broken person. But all the interior minister cares about is that the results work. He's a success yeah. case as far as they're concerned. Yeah. yeah, and to backtrack just a little bit on this scene, okay. Um, again, giving it to Malcolm McDowell for being the actor that he is. Found out like during that scene where he's getting beat up by the Irishman and whatnot, like uh, he ended up suffer- suffering cracked ribs from that yep. dude kicking him. You know, mm-hmm. and he continued to keep doing what he did. You know, <laughs> like he still carried on. It's like again, uh, just mad props to Malcolm McDowell. Like fucking love this motherfucker. Yeah, I know you do too, yeah. King. You know, but again, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Huge, but huge you know, we see in the scene though, it's a thing of, um, he becomes repulsed at any sign of aggression to, towards him, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. it's, it's and it's and it's not just a thing of that he can't, um, you know, do anything. It's like he's bloody helpless. And you, he can't even retaliate. He can't defend himself. He can do nothing except just curl up into a little ball because he just feels sick, you know, because that's what the treatment does. Anything where you feel like you're going to be doing anything that's considered, you know, slightly bad or anything, yeah, you just get extremely, extremely sick where you feel like you're getting ready to throw up really, really, really bad, you know. And this is what the reverend is saying is like, he's not choosing to be good about it anymore. Now he's just, you know, a, a victim. Yeah. Of, of this whole thing. And that's why it's kind of, of cool to see this story as we get into the, the final act of him returning home. And he finds out that the police basically sold off all his possessions, everything that he ever had. And when he goes home, there's a guy named Joe living there now. So he no longer even has a home to go home to because of everything that's happened. And I love when he leaves, and his father's like, no, no, don't leave like that. No. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't have a home anymore. What the fuck do you mean? Don't leave like that. Like, yeah, I have to basically yeah. find shelter now, because it's gone. Yeah. And, yeah, and this is, like, a really, really hard moment. It's, like, you know, it's all fucked up. And, again, you know, anything that's considered, like, you know, supposed to be serious, whatever, Kubrick still keeps putting this fucked up dark humor on top of it Mm -hmm. where it's, like, Joe, it's, like, yeah, well, Joe, he's a worker and whatnot, but we can't exactly kick him out because he's already paid next month's rent. You know, it's, like, (laughs) wow. (laughs) You can see the problem in that, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, and like you know, 
and they're scared of him, even though he can't do anything. And then Joe right. stands up to him because he's trying to stand up for his parents. You know, while Joe, I think, is being a bit of a dick here because Joe's found yeah, a, yeah. a cheap place to get a get a flat. You know, because again, rooms are cheap in England apparently at this time. Um, but he's got a steady <laughs> job. Um, oh, look what you did, your mom and your dad. Oh, look at you! Oh, you're making her cry again. Oh, I know what you did. They told me as we sat to supper, which you never fucking you were out running around all over the streets at night doing God knows what. But they told me what you were doing. You were a bad, bad son. <laughs> Meanwhile, the mom's here. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes um, to strike Joe. He, go, he goes yeah. to strike Joe, though. And then he starts to go, oh, oh. And he's like, oh, come on. Don't do that in front of your parents. You're going to make them sick. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's to further, it's just further kind of getting his comeuppance. Because when he leaves, and he's walking by the Thames. That's when he comes across the old man that him and the Droogs had beaten up earlier in the film. And now Going him down not being now, able son. to do anything. I'm sorry? <laughs> it's going down he now, it's son. going down. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it is, because he gets his fucking ass kicked by a group of old men. <laughs> and the one guy takes his fucking package and runs away with it. So he takes all of his goods and runs as he's getting kicked. And the police are here. So we're going to be okay, right, guys? Mm, no. Because now Georgie and Dim are police officers. Like, ah, <laughs> boy. Okay, so that's who you want to have as police officers. These two former gang members <laughs> that now have the power right. to beat people with nice billy clubs. Right, <laughs> but again, that's, what, the, that's, the state, that's the state of this futuristic England, though, where, again, police forces stand. They're taking whoever they can bloody well get. Okay, And in the original book, it was Dim and then Billy Boy from one of the rival mm-hmm. gangs. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say what happened to Georgie because again, uh, Dean has not read the book, so I don't want to sit there and nope. give too much away. But uh, but Thank yeah, you. again, there is a difference there. Um, yeah, <laughs> but again, I love um, the irony here though of them taking yeah. him away. It's like, don't worry, we're, we're taking you away, little Alex. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they find the one trough in all of England. So that they could grab him by the back of the neck and waterboard the fuck out of him after beating him so many times and then dropping him off at the home where earlier in the film he had raped that man's wife and beaten him. But the old man doesn't really recognize Alex at first. Just sees that he's been beaten and then realizes that you're the Ludovico case. Oh, damn the government. Damn their experiments. Yeah. Oh, I am, brother. Yeah, that's me, brother. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a victim. Yeah. <laughs> very well, Help very me. well. I'm Everyone's victim. a victim, man. <laughs> yeah. But this is also when he sees the old man. The old man also has a house assistant now by the name of Julian, played by Darth Vader, looking fucking like a Mack truck. This Englishman with his fucking gigantic arms. His carrying little Malcolm McDowell's arms. Yeah, that's Darth Vader. That big motherfucker's David Prowse? Yes, that's yes. the Prowse who went up, later played Star Vader. Uh, holy in the Star shit! Yeah. Man, okay, yep. man, that dude is fucking sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, they they essentially take Alex in and they take care of him. They draw him a bath, and you have uh, Frank Alexander calling people, saying, "Yeah, you know, the guy that they did the experiments on is here, and and we need to talk about this because the government needs to be held responsible." 
But then a familiar song starts to be heard that Alex is just so happy now to be in a warm bath and have a home that he starts singing, singing in the rain. And that's what leads Mr. Alexander to have a flashback. He just uh, had to sing the song. think that motherfucker would be – yeah, it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. it's like you think you would have known what fucking song you were singing while you were doing that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I love – Pick another one. I love the reaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the reaction on the old guy. It's like just that camera shot of just, you know, oh, yeah. under the chair, the just staying straight up yeah. his face. Yeah, and just him just fucking losing his shit. You know, uh, yeah. just gr- great, great shot. <laughs> then we co- get to an oh, awkward man. dinner. <laughs> it, was the, it was that, like, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is that dinner scene. When he has a gigantic pile of spaghetti and meat sauce, and all of a sudden you have Julian <laughs> coming in carrying Frank Alexander in his wheelchair down the steps. And he's like, oh, I missed that. All right, you having a good night? He's like, yes. Would you like some wine? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's a good vintage. 1960, yes. Smells good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I'll have a slog at it. Yes, drink it all. Okay, sure. Do you want any, Julian? No, thank you. Okay, all right. I guess I'm the only one drinking this. Have How another glass, Vader. But the he just it's so uncomfortable and it's so unnerving because you know as an audience member that Frank Alexander knows who he is. Alex doesn't know, so he's uncomfortable just because of the way he's acting. But then when the two friends come to interview him, I just love Alex's kind of smugness when he's being interviewed. Where he's like, yes, and I used to listen to what was that? That's B-E-E-T. No, no, I got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure. And he's leaning over, looking at her writing, just to make sure she's yeah. getting Lude. everything right. Ludwig Van. Yeah, yeah. I know who the fuck Beethoven is, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he explains to them about how he just, he can't, you know, see any violent things. He can't see any sex or violence or even hear Beethoven's ninth because it causes him massive pain. He doesn't know why. And just as quickly as he says that, he drops it in the spaghetti. And his face <laughs> drops right into that plate. And Frank picks his head up and he's like, I know exactly what the fuck I'm going to do. And he's brilliant because he sticks Alex up into the attic and then blasts Beethoven's ninth, which drives Alex insane because he can't make it stop. And it just causes him nausea and pain. And I, again, Mark McDowell acting the fuck out of this scene pounding on the floor, grabbing at his head, begging them to stop. Uh, it's just, I can, man, Malcolm McDowell can say enough good things. Oh, yeah, man. Again, like, just to see the, the sweet revenge that's going on where they're sitting there, they know what they're doing to him with these huge-ass sound system right underneath the bloody floor <laughs> where he is and just blasting the night. You know, and it, just listening to him staring, you know, whimper and cry and pound on the floor, and they're just sitting there, very, very cold-hearted, going, "Go ahead," because because they know that when he hears the knife, he's compelled to sit there and off himself. You know, he wants to just snuff it. You know, anytime he hears the knife yeah. now, he he just wants to snuff it. And so, what does he do? Yep. yep, he's up there. He opens up the door and jumps out because he has to snuff the sound out of his head. Yeah, he has no choice. So he jumps out of the window, and what would kill anybody else, he manages to survive. Yeah, because it's not a Disney movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> but that fall would have killed anybody. But yeah, he, and he's all wrapped up in the bandages. And I love when he wakes up. You have the nurse and the doctor fucking, like in the bed across from oh, him. Oh run out from the sheet. 
<laughs> oh shit! Oh shit! He's awake. Yeah, because we have the sounds of him breathing, going, uh, and then the nurse going, ah, him going, uh, <laughs> and the nurse going, ah. And I was like, what the fuck is you know? We're watching this the first time. What's what's up with this fucking breathing? And nurse comes out with some titties hanging out and shit like that. I was like, oh look, he's awake. We better call someone. <laughs> oh, and. The psychological test that they give him where the psychiatrist is like, well, there's no wrong answers. You can say whatever you want. I just, I loved his acting in this scene because he's just having such a great time, you know, laughing at all his responses. He's like, the, the watch is broken and I want a refund. I'll tell you to stick it up your ass. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> you know. How many did I get right? Oh, it's not taking up the <laughs> I'm going to smash him right in your fucking face. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, oh, you're doing very well. And he's like, thank you. How many did I get right? She's like, it's not that kind of test. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, But when you have the scene of the minister coming in, again, not just that it's capping up the movie, but I love the fact that it's the government coming in and saying, listen, we're just going to silence this whole thing. We just know we fucked up. We did wrong to you, but we're going to give you a job, and we're going to pay you very well. So we'll pay you very well. All you have to do is just not say anything ever again. Just drop it. Still like on the money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And when the prime minister is feeding him, and he keeps popping his mouth open, just waiting for the other piece. I love that improvised part. Completely improvised on Malcolm's part, but worked. Oh, really? I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because Kubrick was getting bored of the scene because it was just the minister talking and he was getting bored. So Malcolm McDowell wanted to make Stanley laugh. So he just started popping his mouth open, waiting for another piece of food. And Stanley couldn't stop laughing and he goes, we're keeping that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, because that, 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 like, just the arrogance that's going on there. Yeah. It's like, um, again, you're going to see this reciprocated and several other Malcolm McDowell performances later, you know, especially Caligula. Uh, I, I oh, think, you know, he Caligula. just fucking carries. Yeah. But I think he just carries on Alex in that movie, you know, me personally. Um, but yeah, as we go on, like you said, you know, government's like, Hey, we're, we're all friends. Right. And friends look after friends. Right. 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 <laughs> so we'll look after you. You look after us. Okay, and he's like, okay, sure. <laughs> he's like, great. Yeah, because we have he the one. He's yeah. like, what's the job and how much? And he's like, don't worry about it. It's a living wage. <laughs> you know, we'll take care of the rest. All you have to do is just never talk about this again. Is that good? And once he agrees, you have all the cameramen running in to take pictures of him. I love Alex giving a thumbs up to the camera. Yeah. In his cast, but I it, guess he's getting his picture but taken. It, but, but it's the cameraman coming in, and then you have the speakers coming in, blasting Beethoven's night, therefore showing that, you know, the results have stopped, okay? And, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. cameraman, cameraman coming in, whatnot, and, yeah, and then we cut to the last words. <laughs> King. Well, we don't cut to that. We cut <laughs> to him having sex with a woman in the snow, while people that were the carolers at a Christmas story are just Rock. watching him get it on with this blonde chick. Yeah. He's having a great time. Because he realizes, yeah. I'm cured, all right. Oh, fucking love it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's, Dean, seriously, yeah, you, need to, you need to read this book, Dean. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've added it to my list. I have a, 
I have a note in my phone. I have a book note, and the section of my book note is for uh, my book movie forever uh, reading yeah. project. Yeah. Yeah, but again, it's, just, it's like I can, I, yeah. yeah. But I I cannot reiterate again just how great of a job Kubrick did translating this book into a movie and then mixing the visuals and the music together to just give us this movie that I just fucking love. It's like seriously. And he himself banned it in the UK. Yeah. He banned his own movie in the UK after it was released until about the year 2000, right before he died because of copycat crimes. That were happening across the country, the people oh, seeing yeah, this movie yeah. and copying the crimes. Like there was a group of kids that raped a woman while singing "Singing in the Rain." Yeah, but on top of that, though, um, it was also that people were sitting there and using a clockwork orange as evidence about youth crimes as yeah. well. So yeah, mm-hmm. you know they were saying you know it, you know a lot like the Snyder and all that kind of stuff in the '80s. You know they were saying you know it was because of this that these things happened, and they were blaming a Clockwork Orange, which you know okay whatever. But still, it's it's an awesome movie, and I will I will stand by like it's a book that everyone should read, and I will also stand by that if you love movies, this is a movie that everyone should watch. Oh yeah, it's a it's a cinema movie, you know. It's an experience, and it's something that needs to be watched. And I hope that one day they release the uh, manuscript that they found after Burgess died, called The Clockwork Condition. It's 200 pages, but as of now, it has yet to be released. It's going to be a sequel to A Clockwork Orange. So I'm still oh. hoping somebody somewhere gets it published because I would love to read his follow up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... Well. Maybe not so much follow, but I'll definitely go prequel, like you said, of you know, days of gangs and whatnot. And I would love to see those day, those days and that action days going on. Under. I would just, just, yeah, I would just absolutely love to take a dive into the ultra violence of his little world. Yeah, I think it would be wonderful. Um, but yeah, so that, like we said, Clockwork Orange. Next week, uh, the Ghoul will be back with us, um, right in charge with his film pick of the week. So we're going to go with The New Mutants, directed by Josh Boone. Oh, he chose it and went for it. Oh, man. <laughs> so, oh, wait. Oh, wait. We're go- we're- oh, oh, wait. So he's stuck with it? He's stuck with the landing. So he's deciding, put oh, his stuff yeah. down. We're going to talk about The New Mutants next week. Damn it. So, now I have to punish I'm everyone forward with my following <clears throat> Well, you don't have to punish us. I mean, I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to really enjoy The New Mutants. And I know it's a Marvel movie, and you're not really a big fan of those, but you did watch them all one weekend, and you didn't complain. No, not, not one no. weekend, like a week. Okay, well, a week, but still, you watched them, you braved it out, and I think you're going to like the aesthetic of The New Mutants, because it's not quite like Iron Man and Captain America. It's more like a punk rock horror aesthetic film that I think you're really going to dig on. So we're going to be talking about The New Mutants next week. Um, so hopefully yeah. we'll see you back here next week for that, Dean. <laughs> Yeah, it's something a little different. I <laughs> <laughs> got to change it up every now and then. Um, but yeah, yeah, thank you again, Dean. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you back here next week. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, be safe, and uh, you know, stay away from the COVID. Yeah, stay as far away as you can. Social distance, do what you got to do. But Monkey, I know you do your close out too, but I know that you usually like to do the plug when the ghoul's not here. So the floor is yours as we close out. Oh, right. Oh, yes. 
Full plug this weekend. Just remember, holidays are getting closer and closer and closer. Time is running out. Okay, so this weekend is Black Friday, but also remember that it is also Small Business Saturday. So please do your bit. All right, go visit our sponsor, <clears throat> Bonfire B Designs, and support a local business. Support a small business. All right, help people that need to be helped. Help small businesses and do their bit. There, you can go there, get custom jewelry designed for your significant other, okay? Go there. Get something new. Get something unique. Get something that is never available anywhere else except from our sponsor, Bonfire Bee Designs, okay? So go. Visit them. Contact her. She will sit there and be more than happy to sit there and give you something unique that you will never be able to get anywhere else. You want to get something different, something just completely off the wall, then sit there and visit her and give a unique present for Christmas and make Christmas original. That is all. Yeah, good. All right. So I want you to hit your plug, not your plug, but your classic line as I close out this episode. All right, now I'm your humble little Jug, the Mad Monkey. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode and letting me come again, again, and again in your ear. Good night, everybody. I'm singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. What? Oh, wait, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. So while over Thanksgiving, you're all having fun with a little of the in-out, maybe some ultraviolence maybe with your little droogies, just keep everyone in mind across the country as they deal with this COVID situation. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail odorous. Until next we meet. Have a good time. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies, people. Support small business.